Good morning, team. Let's go ahead. Let's get pre-market prep started today. We got to talk a little bit about what's going on. SI trying to bring the certainty down, at least the uncertainty in cryptocurrency. We'll see if they can create some kind of due diligence and some confidence in Silvergate. AutoZone reporting some earnings. Taiwan Semiconductor increasing their investment right here in the good old USA. Ford CEO Jim Farley talking about EVs. We'll talk about the difference between Ford's EV outlook and GM's EV outlook. PepsiCo eliminating jobs. Microsoft says, yes, Sony, you can have your call of duty. We'll talk a little bit about the earnings from GitLab. We got a lot to talk about right here. Pre-market prep. Investors, hit the like button. Let's get it started. Rise and shine. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. We're flat here, right at 03 and a quarter. Kind of a tight range overnight, a little indecision after Monday's sell off. Uh, the buck down 34 cents at 104.90. TLT on the rebound up 86 cents at 106.45. Crude, wait, oil cuts, wait a second, 82 bucks, wait a second. No, we're down a buck eight at 75.88. Uh, gold on the rebound with the weak dollar up 1020, 1791 and a half. Silver on the rebound yesterday after getting shellacked up 22 cents at 22.63. And Bitcoin, it's up 95 bucks at 16,920. I did get to talk to Triple D too much this morning, but I'm predicting that he's not in a whole lot of trouble. That, that the way the market traded last night, he didn't get himself in any trouble true wow, or false the market's not moving a lot so whenever the market's not moving a lot i'm not in a whole lot of trouble probably but i'm probably not making a whole lot of money either <laughs> <laughs> kind of works that way so yeah so i mean you know volatility one thing as a trader and an inefficiency trader which i am is volatility is my friend so when you see this overnight range in the s p up you know 20 two, three, four points down, two, three, four points. It's quiet night. It's quiet night, meaning I'm probably not making as much money as I would if the S&P was moving around 20 or 30 points. It's just a matter of movement makes me money. doesn't matter the direction, but stocks have to move to make money. Stocks go up. You can be long. Stocks go short. You know, you can make money that way too. Stocks stay flat. I know you can write options and you can make some money longer term, but in the short term, it's hard to make scalping profits when the stocks aren't moving. And I, I just think, and that's a great point. Um, I think that's one. I mean, there's several reasons why we are just the top financial broadcast in the world. <laughs> but I think one of the reasons. We'll pat ourselves on the back there. One of the reasons is like we embrace the volatility. 
We love you know, politics. when the March, like what we did our 10 o'clock phone call yesterday and I look in and I'm like, what happened? What's going on? What happened? And it's just like, you know, there was a 10 o'clock number. It broke in. So when people need, you know, not advice, but just uh, an honest opinion of the markets when they're extremely volatile, what about during like COVID? I mean, we were there. We had, you know, some fantastic uh, guests on, you know, so days like this, it makes it a lot harder to do the show. Um, that's the other thing that Rob Friesen's great at, um, you know, those the, the big opens. Where are the inefficiencies in the markets? What are, what are the odds telling you? So uh, just, you know, so a quiet day. We'll have a boring show. Maybe uh, maybe we'll get some tape There's, not, there's a lot of individual show. news. So I don't there think is. Let's go to Buddy Mitch show, then. But... He's going to lead the way. All right, let's get towards the news. First thing news I want to talk about is, of course, is oil news out there. We've got to pay attention to see what happens with the oil stocks. The futures are going down and continue going down. And finally, we started getting some crack in some of these oil stocks. India saying that, of course, they're going to take oil from Russia and they're not going to be needing to follow that uh, price cap. So uh, some people were thinking that the price cap was going to work. Well, India clearly saying that they're not following that price cap. Uh, so they'll take oil from Russia. And they're, they're like they said, they're going to prioritize their people's needs versus what's going on in the war. I mean, I don't have to know any of that. I don't. Again, I follow the fundamentals, but I'm headlines. You know, what's the headline? I need to know the headlines driving price. And that's pretty much it. I probably don't dig much farther than the headlines. Sometimes we do, but. For the most part, get the headlines. That's what moves markets because that's what the high-frequency traders are reading. And I mean, negative headline, oil down is all you need to know. Oil down means the airlines probably having a little better day. Oil down means obviously all your oil stocks are going to be down. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing about this oil trade we've been talking about, low PE, good, crowded, not so good. These are very crowded trades. There's been, you know, this crowd into value, and that probably needs to come off a little bit. I'm hoping... Mm -hmm. For a pullback, like a significant pullback in some of these names to actually get in some of these names. But, um, you know, just because we go down 2% yesterday, I don't consider that a significant pullback here. I mean, you go to an Exxon Mobil here, Joel. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, the yeah. move from 83 to 110, just or 100 and almost 20, 115. It's a huge move for the stock. You know, if the stock pulled back into the 100 area, do I think, you know, you got a bounce opportunity? Yeah. But I'm not buying every little 1% dip or 2% dip. You know, because these things are just crowded. So let's shake some people out a little bit. Let's consolidate a little bit. And then we'll get a chance to maybe move higher again. So I do think you could see some strength in the end of the year. I do think value rally will continue. But I think it needs to cool off. And that's what we saw yesterday. And uh, a lot of times we talk about uh, Mitch has got the Exxon Mobil chart up there. Uh, it gave you uh, five days of consolidation. Yeah. I mean, that is so rare. That uh, you know to see the trading range right there, and that just tells you that there's a patient seller out there that want to sell, you know, want offers to be lifted. They don't want to get a grab, you know, they don't want to hit bids. It's a totally different uh, complexion in the market. The algos pick it up; they're a penny lower, they're two pennies lower. Uh, so right now, the technical setup is, you know, that 109.50 was, you know, four star re support. Now it's five star resistance. So. And that's four bucks away. Now the tricky part is, you know, where do you buy the dip in this thing? If you, you know, still in hundred bucks, think. maybe. Yeah, that's what I think too. And guess what, Dennis? That's fifteen dollars away from eighty-five. 
and it's fifteen dollars away from one. Well, nice when they coincide yes. with the fifty percent retracement too. We love that on this show. So when you get you know all your ducks in a row like that, I like it too. Here, Joel. I mean, you can see this market is very hard to call day to day. I'm going to continue to say it. Nobody knows. Stop listening to the person that says, oh, yeah, it's going to do this or it's going to do that. There's certain markets that are easy to call. I've said this on the show probably 25 times in the last 30 days. This market, day to day, is nearly impossible to call. Day trading killing it because it's just, you know, basically fading everything. Fading everything is working here right now. Inefficiency trading still killing it. Swing trading, non-existent for me. I hardly have any swing trades on because there's no follow-through. And long-term investing, tough here right now, too. Unless, you know, you're all value and you've been short tech. That's been obviously a great trade here. But it's a very, very, very tricky market to navigate as an investor. As a day trader, again, this is why I'm saying there's certain markets that are made for day traders. This market is still very good for day trading. Meaning, you know, you get that follow through during the day. There's moves that are consistent during the day, but then the next day is entirely different. That's why stick to the day trading more than the swing trading right now. My swings have not, you know, you get stopped on everything. If you're using any type of risk management, you're pretty much getting stopped on a lot of these swings. Even on some of these stocks that have had good upward momentum, it's been some vicious pullbacks. And just like we were saying, the ones that have been going down, there's been some vicious rallies in there too that you're like, okay, yeah, this is the bottom. Oh, no, it's not. So I still think buying value on dips, selling growth on rips has been working, but we got to put it into context. A 2% dip in value, is that really a dip when you've got ExxonMobil up 30% in a month? I mean, I think, you know, that 100, that'd be a dip. So another five, six bucks down from here, that would be a dip. All right, we'll have to wait and see what happens with the oil stocks. They're definitely on a little bit of a pullback. Now we'll see if they can recover. Joel gave that level on Exxon Mobil to watch that 109.50. Let's get yeah, towards support, the next. Yeah, support. Yeah, just let me try and find it. I mean, I gave the 100, but um, I like to, you know, that's like, it's going to drop like five and three quarters bucks today. We know that. Well, we don't know what's going to happen, but if the market completely fell apart, yeah, maybe. But let's just look at 105 today. And it, now I'm not saying that that's, uh, you know, I'm just saying that could be a potential bounce level. Yeah, the parallels right there at 105 in uh, uh, at the end of October. So, you know, every move has a counter move. To, you know, if it's at your target, take your target. But that's where I do see a parallels. And maybe we can drill down on some other ones later on. But uh, two-star two support, 105 ExxonMobil. Yeah, I can actually see it going down that uh, that far today. The reason why I think is that a lot of bulls were kind of waiting and waiting, 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 waiting. Is this going to break out? Is it going to continue going? Is this going to continue going? When it starts breaking that support, I'm sure the psychology right now there is, is a little momentum traders there. But yeah. there's still a very yeah. strong overall uptrend here. And I think you have a lot of momentum traders hoping for a 50% pullback. So yeah, in, if I, you're I've a short-term about the trader. Yeah. What's that, Mitch? That hundred level we've talked about for a while. Yeah, I think I think that's where you've got to start. You know, you got to look. These fifty percent have been working in this market too, Joel. We talked about this a lot this year. You know, you get these moves, and then you get a fifty percent retracement in both directions. They it's worked really well this year, even on the S and P. We've seen a lot of like fifty percent retracements in the room. You could argue the recent move is a fifty percent retracement as well. You know, if you go from the high, basically that we started in January of four eighty down to 370 so we'll knock off 110 well let's bring it up there 
110, 55 on that. Just doing the air math. I mean, you're right in there, 410. Like we're that's pretty dang close. Joel, can you do the 50% retracement on the SPY overall? It's pretty oh, dang SPY, close. SPY, I got you. I can do that. Yeah, Mitch will do it here too. Yeah, well, I mean, we got close. If you, we didn't are, touch it, and the trend is there too. I mean, to wow, nice trend too. You're talking Mitch's, about this move from August? No, no, I'm going farther back. I'm going to January. So January. literally January, the overall move, 480. Okay. I got you. Down to 348. So we're talking about 130 that puts points you down. At 414, 415. And we got to 410. 50%. Yeah. So you start thinking about selling stocks as you get towards the 50%. We didn't quite get there. I kind of thought we might have had room to 420. Maybe we still do. Maybe there's going to be a catalyst that turns us around here again. Maybe the CPI. It's going to depend on what the CPI is next week. But just start thinking about the waves. You know, stocks don't typically V. We got this in our head, you know, from COVID that it's all going to V bottom. That is not normal. V bottoms are not normal. They're usually working. So you see, you know, the move down, move up, move down, move up. Overall trend still stays intact with 50%. So when you're buying stocks at 410, you're going opposite to what the overall long-term, you know, view would be. You know, like it's not, you know, I, again, and is there this setup here fundamentally, you know, when interest rates go from 1% to 5% that we're going to V bottom and get out of here? If you're buying stocks at 410, you know, I'm not talking day trading, talking longer term investing, saying I got to be in this market. We're going right back to the highs. I think you're on the wrong side of the trade. I don't think it's that easy. I think we're going to be in a prolonged bear market where we see, don't see the high, maybe for a number of years even. So I'm not even sure the worst is past us yet. So it might be, but I'm not sure. But all I know is as a day trader today, you know, as we pull back a little bit further, maybe you start thinking about some of those stocks that, you know, we're performing well. Those are the ones you maybe want to be in. Maybe, you know, if you get some rallies, maybe you think about lightening up some other things. We Fading were... overall moves has been working in 2022. The fade trade continues to work in both directions. Dennis, now on at the close, Joel and I were talking also about how it seemed like we got ourselves, you know, that Black Friday kind of rally, Cyber Monday kind of rally. And then some of those stocks started giving up the rally yesterday. Now, the question is, is this a pullback to buy? Like, let's say a stock that we brought up yesterday, like Best Buy, that's made a, a good run, started to pull back yesterday. Yeah. Is this kind of more of a dip? Would you think a dip to buy or is this it? Or Best Buy. There's just no rip. dip there yet, Mitch. That's the problem. So it's all perspective. Mm -hmm. And I mean, because you get a $1 pullback, is that a dip? I would go 60 to 87. And if it pulled back, so we're saying 27 point rally, 50% rally in a month, incredible rally. Let's pull back to 75 and then it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. 84, I don't know. And again, remember, I'm still of the impression that 2022, 2023 is going to be a bad year for stocks. I'm still of that impression. So I'm not like hungry, hungry and got to get that 40% of cash to work. I'm not that hungry yet. I mean, yeah, it'd been great to be in value stocks a month ago and be great to ring the register right now. I think you do on rallies. I think you ring the register on some of this stuff. I do think you can see some strength into the end of the year. I think it sets up not bad. But again, that's very dependent on what next week's CPI data is going to be. Is it next week? We're going to yeah. close. Yes, yes. The 13th. Next week's CPI could Seven change everything. Now. If it comes in light, they could rip it right to 420. If it comes in hot, they could tank this market. So because then it's a one-off, and then they're going to really worry that, whoa, the Fed, you know, it's going to have to continue to go here. So, I mean, we're very dependent 
on what this data is coming. We've never been more dependent on economic data than we are in this market. This market is traded off the economic data. Yes, it has sometimes pulled some, you know, fake outs. Yes, it has sometimes went the opposite direction what you would think. But in a lot of cases, it's kind of just went with what you would think. So I think you got to, you know, really before you go in positioning your long-term invest portfolio, I think you got to find out what that CPI data is going to be because nobody knows that either. Uh, the 50% retracement basis, the futures is uh, 41.60. And uh, we got to 41.10 uh, last week. So that's basis, the rolling front month futures contract. But yeah, I mean, very, very close. You know, I, I thought about that. I mean, we made that lower low at 3,500. The high was 4,800. Yeah. You do the math. So uh, that's still a potential target on the upside. Uh, the reason there's a little weakness in the market here is uh, is Jamie Dimon's talking down the market again. Um, I don't need uh, to see what he's actually saying, but he was looking for twenty percent, and I'm not, you know, getting on Jamie Dimon, but he did call for twenty percent lower when we were at thirty five hundred, and we blasted. He's right a mover out of there. and a shaker. Yeah, he's moving the markets right now. So yeah, if you want to know why right. we're whipping around, yeah. it's because of Jamie Dimon. So yeah. mild to more pronounced recession is likely ahead. We're just reading the headline from CNBC. Jamie Dimon's on CNBC right now. We don't watch CNBC that much, but when we do, when Jamie Dimon's on there, you got to take a you note. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. So crypto is a complete sideshow. Tokens are rocks, I think he said. I'm just reading the headlines. This is not the same inflation situation as in the 80s. So yeah, he's not saying anything that's making the market happy here right now. And that is why we're leaking a little bit here, Joel. Good observation. I didn't even notice he was on there because we're doing our live show. That's why we have all these eyes out there. Still want to point to this, right? This is still something that could be happening, right? Where we get a bounce in October, a rise to December, and then January comes and pow, this was 2002 where we had this move 2001 going into 2002, where we had that rise into December and then followed with another hit down through the lows. And so I still think this is still possible. So I know that some people don't think that it's possible to go back to those lows. I'm going to still say that the opportunity is out there. Oh, I Just think so it's very possible we could be back at those lows eventually. I mean, I think in 2023, I think 2023, and everybody thinks they're going to get all their money back in 2023 because this is what they've learned. They just buy stocks and eventually they come back within 18 months, which is not true. I mean, we've given lots of examples here. Japan's still in the 30-year bear market. Lots of tech stocks and the tech bubble never came back. You're going to see a lot of these ARC stocks never, ever, 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 ever come back. Peloton is never, ever, 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 ever going to be a $100 stock again. I'm saying it right now. This is just... This is, this is my opinion, what? and it's probably 99% going to be right. So, I mean, a lot of these stocks are not going to come back. Maybe a stock like Unity can come back if we all go to the metaverse, but there's going to be a pile of stocks like Carvana not going back to 300. Ride not going back to 10. Probably going to zero. A lot of these stocks I got, you are mentioned dark, going Dennis? to zero. You yep. mentioned dark. I just yep. got to bring this up. Look at this juicy formation here in ARC. I like juicy. Formation. I don't know why. Talk to me. Why's your? Where's your your daily? Is your is that your upper, upper right. right one? Upper right. No, we're trying to learn right. Mitch's upper new right. charts because yeah, I don't the same thing. I I, I, I like, mean, because you guys get confused. You guys don't know charts. Come on, man. I like Does one that, chart. See, that, so, so let's stop and go on a rant here too. I know, and we've had this vote before. The four chart system on this show confuses me, but everybody in the chat said they like the four charts better than the one chart. I have one chart on my screen. I have four. I have three screens. And I have one chart. That's all I need. 
I don't need any more than one chart. And it's usually the 90 day. And if I want to see an intraday chart, I flip it over to see a little bit closer. But I don't so, really, you so, know, if so I want to see not a fan, further, You're not a fan of this one. <laughs> I don't even know oh, what's Mitch, going on Mitch, here. Mitch, this Mitch, is all Mitch, a, a tick chart. Well, we don't need to debate this right now, screen, Dennis. Ever. We don't need to debate this right now. What we need, what I tried yeah. to point out before you went on that tirade was there's a triple top at 38 bucks. That's the only thing I wanted to point out. I didn't want to do a survey on charts. There's three highs at the same area. Keep an eye on it. If you, if you ever want to get bullish growth, take a look at uh, 38 and a quarter. There are three highs, 38.30, 38.31, 38.18. Bad day yesterday. It's coming back up, still two bucks away. I mean, you just have to honestly say bears are still in control of ARC until that's until that's taken out. When I look at Mitch's no. chart and I look at the, and I'm looking at the daily, which is the upper right. I, I, mm -hmm. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't stick out to me like that. I mean, yeah, now you circle it. I don't know. Maybe you need a different background, but anyways, didn't mean to start a war on that. <laughs> Just keep an eye on 38 and a quarter in arc. That's my point. No words. You call out the levels. They'll be you're able not to getting see it bullish until we cause... get above 38 and a quarter. You're telling me. Yeah, people change agents, right? Our charts are great combined. Yeah, I will be getting my charts back up soon. I have been on customer service with Dell. I am ordering a computer that I am going to be, like IBM is going to be calling and asking me for computer tips after I set this thing up. This nice. thing is going to be lightning fast. So That's my charts will be back lightning soon. Lightning fast. An easier way of seeing it right there is the hourly. Bottom left here, you guys can see those highs. They're all standing in that same 38 area. We'll see if we get back up towards those levels. Those are the levels that Joel's calling out, the 38s. We'll see what happens with ARC. Let's keep going. Let's get towards some other stocks. Uh, we did have AutoZone uh, give their earnings. Auto so let's zone. go to AutoZone here. Uh, AutoZone's EPS Suck of $27.45 beats the $25.27 oh, estimate. Oh, oh, Sales at $3.98 uh, beat the $3.86 billion estimate. They did have same store sales increasing 5.6%. So not bad uh, beat there and a beat. What do you guys feel about AutoZone? Options oh, uh -oh. premium is gone. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what the expected move was, but I'm pretty sure it was more than zero. <laughs> that's where you're at right now. You're at completely scratch here. Again, I don't understand how these people make money buying options. I've never made money buying options. I don't trade options much, obviously, as much as I used to. I hardly trade them at all now. But I traded options actively 15, 17 years ago, and I was always selling options. You know, Nick Shaheen style. I was always selling options. That's how I was making money. I don't understand how these people make money buying options, but they do. They want to go in there their lottery ticket style, and they try to make money anyways. I don't know if they do, but they I try. Mean, you can. You can make probably what money was in the trade. Sure, you can what? win the lottery too, Mitch. Yeah, exactly. There's always somebody that wins the lottery. <laughs> what was up, the Bill? other stock that uh, – I, I asked you about this before, Mitch. Advanced um, Auto Parts. Before and got, yeah, I mean, see, that that's why I would have been like uh, – uh, well, Yeah, move? I would have been. You want to know the Yeah, it was what? 50 bucks no no <laughs> higher i'm gonna do higher or lower higher really oh yeah really oh yeah really well i remember it's 2500 stock yeah it's like oh, maybe 100 okay. points or something 100 oh, well the options aren't that active so you got to kind of middle both of them where they were they were 10 point points wide each one at the close so yeah. just middling them both 
I'd say about 110 bucks. 100, oh my god, maybe even 100. I wasn't too far. Off. I bet yeah. you there was 110 to 120 bucks. Yeah. Five bucks not making the option virus happy. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, one thing though, I will point out is that we did point out when AZO had done this last recent move to the monthly support, and it seems like this stock has a tendency of holding that monthly support. And we did call that out. This was on the date of October 24th. This is why I like my charting service. It like when you do those little signals, it gives you exact date that when you wrote it down there. So you guys don't know that we're like just cherry picking off the trend line there. We actually talked about that level looking for a bounce off of it. And it's been a nice move from that. That was right before October. And we've had a nice run there in AutoZone. I think AutoZone is definitely uh I would say a little bit recession proof, but what do you guys think? Yeah, no, it helps um, actually because people fix their cars more during a recession. So I, I, I'll, I'll say that it, it's it's not nothing's recession proof, but it's definitely not going to get hit as bad as a Ford or a GM during a during a recession. Ford and GM hammered during a recession. If you go into one, and I know everybody's like, "Wow, value." There's a reason these two value stocks like Ford and GM are not doing as well as the other value stocks. And they're trading with low PEs. For that reason, one is the move to EV, but they're going to be a big part of that. But the bigger thing is that if we do go into recession, people don't buy new cars. All right. So let's just go. If for the there's Ford one news. number in here, one number after all that talk, uh, mm -hmm. 2520. Uh, yesterday's low was 2522. You had another yeah. daily low at 252077. If it holds that, fine. Go back up to all-time highs. I wouldn't want to be on that thing if it took, I'd be 25, 20, boom, 2,500. And the fact, I don't know if the numbers were good, bad, or indifferent. I just see it ticked up five bucks on 896 shares. So, I mean, that is a, a strong uptrend. You have a double bottom at 25, 20. Bull trend still intact. Uh, all-time high, if you're looking, you know, worried about getting out at the all-time high, 26.10.05 is the all-time high. All-time closing high would be 25.79. John, your friend is a smart guy if he's getting his stock and he's working at AZO. That's how you do it. I've <laughs> talked about that countless times. Young, young investors out there, look for jobs that give you some benefits, give you some stock. Just imagine where you'd be if you got AZO a couple of years ago. I mean... Look at that stock. It, it's gone from in the 2009, it was a $200 stock. It's 2,500. Yes. Oh, yeah. Building wealth. Yeah, that's <laughs> shout out to your friend, John. You give him a shout out for us uh, here at Pre Market Prep. That's how you do it. Let's go to Ford now. Let's take a look at Ford since we just were mentioning it. Uh, Ford CEO Jim Farley said on Monday that 65% of the company's approximately 3,000 dealerships are. Are, have agreed to sell EVs under the Ford EV certified program. Ford is taking a different approach than GM, right? GM is requiring all dealers to sell EVs. If not, they literally have to give up their like kind of their license for GM. Um, and so this is a completely different strategy. Uh, Jim Farley said that we think that the EV adoption in US will take time. So we wanted to give dealers a chance to come back. And so they're giving a chance to those dealerships that rejected the EVs to come back at a later date and then join the program. I think it's a good approach there by Jim. No, I don't think any of it matters. So for this ain't a headline that's going to move the stock. This is trading up 0.22%. Here. 
So I, I like Ford long-term. I think you're buying Ford 10 years from now. You're probably happy. I personally think we're going into a recession next year. I think I'm going to get a shot back at 11. Okay. All right. Well, shot back at 11. Uh, just for a, a short-term level. Short-term level. Mm-hmm. You got to look at yesterday's low. It coincides with another low, 13.28, 13.30. That's support. All right, right underneath it. We'll see if that holds there around 1325, 1328, you said. All right, let's keep going. We'll go to the yep. next one. Uh, let's go to TSM, of course, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing uh, on Tuesday, unveiling plans to increase the investment in Arizona from 12 billion to 40 billion to open another chip plant. A little part of me is like, man. I don't know. Did Warren know something about this? Because it seemed like he got on at the right time. We'll have to wait and see. TSM hasn't really gone anywhere <laughs> since that purchase of Warren. What do you guys feel about it? It's sleepy and it wants to go higher. There's obviously headline risk with China still. It's still there, that headline risk. But um, right now, chips have actually consolidated. They've kind of, you know, and again, what's the, what's the P on Taiwan Semiconductor, Mitch? I mean, we go right back to the PE trade here. This is low. He'll grab yeah, it. It is pretty low there. I'll grab it right now. Give me two seconds here. I mean, it, it's yeah. again this simple Simon market: low P stocks outperforming higher P stocks, and it just yeah, comes 14, back to that again. Or forward 14, 13. So. 13. I mean, you start getting these multiples: 10, 12, 14. These are the stocks that are performing well. Going to recession might be a different story, but again, we all need chips. I mean, so. As long as you believe that the Taiwan's China Taiwan situation does not escalate, it's probably a buy. If the China Taiwan situation escalates for whatever reason, the thing will get hammered. So that's your headline risk is just tensions between Taiwan and China. But that's been quiet for a couple months here now. So maybe that stays quiet. Uh-huh. <clears throat> uh You got a nice trading range since uh, Warren. I like to look at things and put you know put them into perspective. You had the nice run up off the low and then. Warren got down and dirty, right? Caused that big gap up, and we have not been able to fill the gap. Uh, so you got just excellent support here at 79, a little bit lower than that. If you take that out, there's some room on the downside. And then it just there's a cap on this thing at like 83 and a half. So we're basically right in the middle. So uh, we took out the 83 and a half, not only on an intraday basis, but get up to 85, come back and make that support. Uh, on the other hand, if you break down to the 78, 75 level, uh, there's support, but just, it's really, it's held up a long time. Warren does make some good trades. He does make some good purchases, uh, but this chart is starting to remind me of, uh, what was it, Dennis? HPQ, was that the one he bought? Uh, yeah, that's what this is the buy. one. He bought the daylights out of it. Yeah, 38 to 40. You just got attracted to that low PE. Is, is he got attracted to low PE and he got flushed down the toilet. You know, mm. uh, Sam, I'm just saying that it's just it's just a scenario. It's just a setup where where Warren piles in. And that held up there for a while. And I know there yeah. was a battle of upgrades and downgrades and everything. But, you know, is he buying more? I don't know. You know, he's been kind of quiet lately. I wonder if he's just been quiet. He's always selling quiet, this entire though. rally. <clears throat> 
No, Warren's always yeah. quiet, though. You get one. The reason you think he's not quiet is because if he does anything, the media just jumps all over. You never miss a Warren trade. Yeah. So he does five trades a year, and the media is just jumping all over. You're like, Warren's doing something again. I thought we heard about this last month. Yeah. Well, you heard about every time, you know, these other funds were doing trades, they'd be on the news nonstop. It's just because you hear about every single trade, every new position that he has. He doesn't do a hell of a lot. He got suckered in HPQ. Maybe it was the lower PE. Maybe it was whatever reason. But, I mean, HPQ is the opposite of recession-proof. One, people are definitely not buying new PCs. They're not even in the market. They all bought new PCs when we went in COVID. PC typically lasts three to five years. Well, it depends. Longer. My man Joel needs yeah. one. So. Well, there you know Joel's going to be purchasing <laughs> one. So. But I'm buying a Dell. I always buy Dells, 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 Dells. I like Lisa Dell. says, oh, you got to try a Lenovo. I'm like, no, I've been Dells. <laughs> I've, had, I've had computers since What about AMD? Are you going AMD or are you going Intel? I'm going to just whatever's the most expensive. I, that, that's what I'm getting. The Buy biggest the chip, AMD. the biggest memory. AMD, I told you screens. now. <laughs> I, I just bought a new one. I just actually did buy a new one here. Did you get Intel or AMD? I Processor. always go Intel. I'm old oh, school. come I on. Always go Intel because you know what? On. I bought get an AMD. Stop. I bought an AMD processor about 10 years ago, and it was the worst thing I ever got. So I know that was 10 that years they, ago. I know they've improved. But they lost a customer forever because it was a lemon. That processor yeah, it was. I, I, I agree ago. that 10 years ago, they, they, 10 years, they were pretty So they bad, never, but. they can't win me back. Even though Lisa Sue has turned this company around, I even thought about it. And I was like, no, I still remember that lemon from 10 years ago. And they can't win me back. I've always had HPQ Intel. So there's one more sale HPQ coming because I just bought it literally a week ago. It's sitting in a box here. I haven't looked it up yet. It'll be my new trading box here. HP. Gaming desktop, <laughs> reading it to you. TGO one twelve oh nine. I don't know much about them, but anyways, this is good enough. It's good. You know what I love about take... computers? I, I don't know much it. about computers. You know what no. I love about them? What? Everyone has an opinion. Just look at the chat. That's what I love. Are about they all it. over it? Everyone. They're just like, has their you own suck. Opinion. Intel sucks. They're like, yeah, no, no Dell, Lenovo, but then Intel, AMD. That's cool. I always love Intel. At Joel, least there's a Intel? market. Oh yeah, Intel. Oh, me and Joel yeah. are old school. Yeah. We go Intel. Intel and Dell. How's even Dell's though Joel went to school with Lisa Sue, he still goes Intel. It wasn't uh, school. It was. I'll tell the truth. She was my. It was. It was. She was my clerk when I did the uh, arbitrage between the S and P five hundred <laughs> and the major market index. And you know what? The major market index they, they called so it funny. the missiles. You know why? Because that thing just flew. I mean, it was it was illiquid. I I have reached out to Zoltan, and he has reached out to the company. You still want to uh, know if that's the same? I know. I I, think, I don't think it is. I know it is. She went to. <laughs> I MIT. know it's her. I, how much you make a bet, Dennis? How many steak dinners do I owe you? Oh my gosh, it's not her. How many steak dinners do you I owe me? You owe me like five steak dinners. You want to bet one? <laughs> a of double or why? nothing. Double, double or nothing. Double or nothing. He already goes double or nothing. Double or I mean, nothing. He, he's like the casino, but they put a limit on how many times yeah. double or nothing. Double or so nothing. Eventually, don't double or nothing. Back. If we can get an answer for her, if she if she tells the truth, she went to MIT. She's right. She's the same age. Who will win? <laughs> All right, let's go to it. Does anybody? And he still her? doesn't buy her computer. 
All right, I'm a realist in here. Let's get right. to our guest today. We've already talked a little bit about Ford and GM. Would love to hear uh, the comments from our guests. Let's get right to it. Michelle Krebs from Cox Automotive. Michelle Krebs, Senior Director of Automotive Relation, Cox Automotive, and Executive Analyst at Auto Trader, joining us back. It's good to have you on. Thanks for having me. We're a little feisty today, Michelle. So can you can you hopefully uh hopefully <laughs> you can rein us in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. What a, how's that for an introduction? So <laughs> Recession, no recession, EVs, uh, all this stuff. I mean, let's just focus. You couldn't get new cars for a while, right? Because supply chain, whatever the matters were. But new vehicle sales are on the rise. Is is this just a little temporary thing here? Or is this recession that everyone's worried about maybe a little bit farther away than we think? Well, let's talk about where we are. Um, We have seen some improvement in inventory. Um, In particular, we're seeing a little bit of improvement uh, from the Asian automakers, Toyota, Kia, Hyundai, Subaru, uh, Honda in particular, have had very low inventories um, for the past year. Those are improving somewhat. And that showed in the sales in the last couple of months, except for Honda. They're still struggling. Um, But the chip shortage is still there. on the other hand, the domestic automakers have uh, more inventory, um, especially in the pickup trucks. That's an area that we need to watch closely because that's where a lot of all the profits come from. Um, so it is improving somewhat. But then we have other headwinds. Uh, you know, high interest rates are pushing car payments. The average car payment is almost seven hundred and fifty dollars, uh, and so that is just taking some people out of the market. Um, so. Recession, no recession. We're kind of looking at it, you know, either way, the picture for the auto industry looks kind of the same. Um, We're anticipating a little bit of improvement in new vehicle sales next year, but, you know, no blockbuster year. Higher interest rates, obviously, this does, you know, to your point there, it takes a certain people out of the market here. I mean, we think about all the years of 0% financing and, you know, people, you know, obviously I buy a new, you could buy a new car every three years, 0%, I just finance or lease it. I mean, it seems like those days are gone. Can we get back to those days eventually, Michelle? Could we ever see 0% financing here again if the Fed pivots? I mean, could we get back to there? Hard to imagine it anytime soon. Um, you know, we are seeing some automakers offer 0% financing, but very few people are uh, eligible for those. Uh, you know, what we have seen is even before the big interest rate rise of late, we saw a lot of people just take themselves out of the market. We're seeing a very low level of subprime borrowers. They just they can't get loans or they're just they the math doesn't work. So they've just taken themselves out of the market. And what's happened is this pool of buyers is smaller. They're more affluent uh, and we are seeing a lot of them pay cash. Um, but we, we are still seeing very low incentives. We are seeing a little bit of easing on the over list price uh, being charged. Um, but it's it's going to take a while. And the inventory's still, while it's better, it's still not anywhere near what it used to be. And probably so, won't be. So prices prices are holding steady, right? And And moving up. So the average transaction price is exceeding the MSRP. Have you seen that type of uh, uh, scenario uh, before? And 
What no. was the outcome? No? no, we've never seen uh, prices, pay, you know, people pay over list routinely. Um, that is easing a little bit, uh, but an average transaction prices have come off their high. I think the highest was in August. Uh, just oh, it was over forty-eight thousand dollars. It's still over forty-eight, but it's kind of edging down. Um, but we're going to continue to see high prices because automakers are going to make those top-end vehicles. Uh, and as I said, that pool of buyers are they're pretty affluent, and they want you know all the bells and whistles. All right. Now, one thing is we have been seeing some of the used car sales go down, and that's definitely going to help when we're looking at like things like inflation, right? But of course, you've mentioned it, the new car sales price isn't going down either. Are we expecting to maybe see a bigger drop in these used cars, let's say maybe in 2023 coming up, as of course, the demand comes down with the high interest rates? Um there's a lot there. Um, we expect used vehicles sales to say, stay strong. The problem is there's not the inventory because we didn't sell as many new cars and we are hardly leasing anything. And that's a real big um, channel for uh, used vehicles. So there's still going to be somewhat tight inventory, especially of newer model ones. Um, and we're still going to see pretty strong prices. Now they've they've backed off some wholesale prices have come down, um, and uh, but we do not see a collapse in used car uh, sales or prices. All right. The other thing is we're seeing new people that might uh, you know shop uh, normally shop for new vehicles are are going to use vehicles. So that that also is keeping up demand. Let's talk EV. I mean we've been uh, we've been doing this show for a long time and. You know, you've always, you know, the skepticism of uh, EVs. I remember talking about, you know, self-driving cars and the infrastructure needed for that, the transition that GM and Ford are trying to make. I mean, is it all for naught? Are they just too far behind Tesla? And like this process, I thought you think before that it was going slow, but, you know, where, where are we at? Where are we at in the timeline, let's say for, you know, now, you know, a significant higher percentage of, uh, of vehicles on their own being EVs and how far away from uh, self-driving vehicles? Fully, well, let's take one at a time, time because they're two different stories. So okay. autonomous vehicles, you know, that is a much longer timeline. And as we saw, uh, Ford and Volkswagen pretty much dissolved Argo AI, um, their self-driving company, uh, and, and everyone's admitting, uh, it, this is harder than we thought, um, and that's going to take a lot longer. EVs are a totally different story. That's ex accelerating. Um, that's the fastest growing segment in the uh, auto market. Uh, I think sales are up some 60% this year, and last year was a good year. As more and more models come onto the market, um, we are seeing sales increase. And of course, you know, uh, there's a big push uh, regulatory wise to get them on the market. And we're seeing uh, 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 automakers accelerate their plans. So no, they're, they're increasing. I think that the, it's still a small percentage of new vehicle sales and it, they're still pretty expensive, which is a, a stumbling block, but, um, and we are seeing uh, competitors make moves on Tesla. Tesla still dominates by a long shot. But um, its market share is coming down and will continue to come down because as new competitors, especially lower price ones, come to market. 
Now, one thing that interests me, of course, is kind of the used EV credit. This is something that I haven't seen too much of, and it doesn't seem like a lot of people buy used EVs. Do you think this could have an uplift, especially going into next year with the prices being so high? Maybe they give a jump in these used EVs. There aren't that many used EVs to buy. <laughs> uh, so that is a problem. And uh, we are going to see a buildup of those for a, a while. Um, and the the credits are a little bit complicated. You don't just mm -hmm. buy a used EV and get a tax credit. There are all kinds of rules on that. So I don't I don't think that will be a, a big driver of used EVs at the moment. Um, you know, the, the pool is just too small, small right now. What All right. about the, the employment situation? Um, you know, we you know we talk recession, we talk you know inflation. What's going on with the economy? Of course, you know manufacturing is very important in our economy. What 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 what's going on with Jim and Ford? I mean, it, for me, the big recession is coming is when that unemployment rate you know starts rocketing and going higher, and people are losing their jobs, less money. Um, I, I don't know if there's any union negotiations coming up, but you know, how, you know, how's the employment, you know, how would you feel if, uh, you know, you're working? Cause I did, I did read an article, um, that, you know, manufacturing jobs are, are back, obviously getting less stuff from China and other countries. What's it look like over there at Ford and GM? Well, overall, uh, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. How do you have a recession when you have such strong, uh, employment, um, and it's very strong in the manufacturing sector. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. There's a labor shortage. Uh, Mazda has a joint venture plant in Alabama with uh, Toyota. They build the new CX-50 there, uh, a crossover vehicle. And they can't put on a second shift because they don't have enough workers. Um, Subaru is complaining they can't get enough workers at their plant in Indiana because they're com because of uh, competition uh, in terms of wages. So they're they're there is a labor shortage in that sector. Um, union negotiations, that's going to be a really interesting story for next year. Um, the United Auto Workers Union, which represents Ford, uh, General Motors, and Stellantis, uh, have a contract expiring next September. And interesting enough, this year, uh, for the first time in a long time, the Canadian Auto Workers, the, the Auto Workers Union in Canada, Unifor, uh, has its uh, contract expiring. Uh, and one of the big issues is going to be the organizing of the battery plants that are run by joint ventures like GM and uh, LG Chem, uh, Ford with SK and its other partners. Um, that's that's going to be a big push by the the unions to organize those plants. All right. We've had a very good segment here with uh, Michelle Krebs. She's the Senior Director of Automotive Relations at Cox Automotive. She keeps herself busy. She's an Executive Analyst with uh, AutoTrader, uh, giving us a, a great look at the auto industry. Uh, Michelle, we always enjoy having you on, your insight, and uh, we'll be dialing you up at, uh, early in 2023. Thank you. Sounds for good. On. Have a wonderful holiday season, everyone. You too, Michelle. All right, let's keep going. Let's take a look at the overall market. How are we doing right now? It Still? is chopped, Dennis. Man, are you like? I mean, are you like uh, you like uh, dipping and ripping? Like they're not major. Yeah, I'm trying like to sell me. every dip and buy every, or sell every. <laughs> that's backwards. Not doing what you want to I do. Know. Sell every I, rip and buy every dip. Um, Seriously, you know, we, it's just choppy. 
when she said seven fifty for car payments, was she was she talking about two car payments? Because that yeah, that yeah. is back well, in I mean, the day. I mean, I've bought my vehicles over the last four or five years, but that's what I was paying for two cars. No, yeah, the, the big thing is the control. average price, right? Average price is at like $27,000. You used to get a, a car, I mean, some cheaper, like say Corollas, maybe thirteen, fourteen thousand, 14000 brand new. It's gone. Gone. So that ain't going to happen no more. $20,000 car, gone. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not going to happen no more. No. And that's why it's a little bit concerning because let's just be honest. How many homes can really afford like a forty dollars to $50,000 EV? This is the problem. You lose. And I think Michelle just hit the nail on the head. I mean, we have priced a certain portion of the market out. out. And that's why it's yeah. hard to just look at the Ford PE and the GMP at 13 or 12 and say, well, better times are ahead. Not if rates stay up. Better times are not ahead. These earnings are going to be depressed for a bit. And you know what? They can actually continue to go down. They go into recession. You price more people out. So it's tough. I, I Again, like I said, I was long Ford for a long time, for a couple years in there. But, you know, once they start raising rates, it's not coincidental that Ford and GM topped out right when they started, you know, talking about raising rates. Like, if you look back, hindsight capital is 2020. But if you were selling everything that was interest rate sensitive back when the Fed was warning us in November, December, uh, one year ago, that they were going to go into a a, a tightening cycle. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just killed it. So, simple Simon, you just killed it. So I think that's still the case. I just don't see, even if we're going to have this major, you know, um, slowdown in the rate raises, again, like what I was saying, I see a pivot. I I define a pivot much differently, I guess, in the market. A pivot for me would be they start lowering rates. Exactly. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Yeah, it's like a soft pivot they're getting excited about. That's not really. It's not even a pivot, it's a slowdown. So they're calling a slowdown in the rate rise a pivot now. I mean, they're just making this up, this playbook as we go along. So you're mm-hmm. waiting for a pivot that you've redefined. I think a pivot, I'm going back to it. I think a pivot is when they start actually cutting rates. And I don't think that's happening anytime soon. And they're not going to go back down as low as they The only were. way that does happen is if we go into a wicked recession, that they start cutting rates right away. And then we got problems. So either way, the recipe to get lower rate cuts is recession. Hi. They're not good for foreign GM. We forgot to ask her about Carvana. I don't well, think she's a fan. I, I, I don't think there's much before. to talk about there. <laughs> I don't think she's a fan. <laughs> Just look at Vroom. Well, vroom, that's vroom. give you an answer, right? Uh, let's th- let's take a look there. Um, what about like er- uh, value names? I, I want to get into value because when I look at the ratings calendar, one thing that I can clearly stand out is Deutsche Bank downgrading a couple of these that are interesting they're downgrading sam they're downgrading tap so two of the beverages right uh or brewers and then they're also downgrading general mills um so it seems interesting are these that value calls after. do you see like maybe this is just a fact general mills at an all-time high i mean this is just you know the cereal trade that everybody stays at home during a recession and eats cereal it's this is a recession stock general mills has pricing okay. power. They can raise their cereal 50 cents a box or a buck a box, and people will still buy it. So they have pricing power. They are recession-proof. There's a reason that this stock is hot as can be. The one thing I will say is if you're going to General Mills, why not just stay in cash? Because you're 2.5% dividend only. It feels crowded. 
if you know we do start to go in a pivot, this actually can move counter counter to the market where it can actually start selling off. But I mean, this is a recession trade. So it's not surprising it's at all time highs when we're talking about recession this much. Triple top it uh, uh last well there's an exact double top at 86.58 and then the actual all time high is 86.53 the all time closing high is right in that area too so if you're looking for a breakout looking for 90 bucks with the downgrade don't know if that's going to happen today only trading down on 11,400 shares so just keep an eye on that level if you want to try and uh, you know wiggle out and it, or if you're a breakout trader and you think this uh true I mean this thing started last month or it's just over in the lower 70s or yeah. mid 70s that's a big move for General Mills we'll see what happens with the downgrade looks like that that uh that triple top is safe for now <laughs> and then on the downside here if you like whooping up on stocks uh looking looking left instead <laughs> instead of uh looking right instead of left you got a parallels right there. You're right there, 85.40. It might not even get a gap. You get short there, and, you know, maybe some uh, paper comes in and actually follows the analyst downgrade. Next daily support level comes in at uh, about a buck lower at 84.49. But that's just – that's definitely a two-star. That's just one day, one touch, not uh, – you know, not hanging my head on that one. But I would make uh, 82.50. Uh, a nice juicy level for today. That was a pair of lows from last week. All right. What about a company like PepsiCo? They're eliminating hundreds of corporate jobs in North America. Let's take a look at Pepsi. Everybody's cost cutting. Everybody's cutting costs. Everybody's prepping for an ugly 2023. The yeah, writing is on the thing. wall here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, here's a stock at all time see. highs. You think, why are they cutting? Well, you know what? They're getting rid of the fat. They're getting rid of the fat because they know. And, and Pepsi, again, it's not a General Mills, though. You know, Pepsi sells to restaurants. Pepsi sells. There's going to be a certain portion. People buy their Pepsi at the grocery store. Pepsi's still going to get bought. But they obviously have a whole different type of business as well, too. So it's not as recession-proof as a General Mills is. They're getting ready for a recession. They're cutting costs. They're prepping themselves here. So, I mean, writing, again, on the wall overall. Stocks near all-time highs. <clears throat> I still think. You jump in these consumer staples for two and a half percent dividends that have been crowded trades here. They don't feel safe to me. <clears throat> All right. So uh, while are... at one eighty six here uh, in your Pepsi, I mean, uh, you've you've snuck over it a few times, but uh, sellers are going to come down from that uh, one eighty six level uh, flat today. Uh, what a that's next support level. I'm not going to look at yesterday's low. I'm, if you're looking to pick this up in the cheap, maybe today or cover short uh there's a pair of lows at 180.02 or just above 180 lower 180 handle for support and then as you can see on the dailies you got a triple top <clears> and just let's call it 186 because the highs were just barely above that two above one below that just means you got a big boy targeting 186 for an exit Oak has been making its way back since that earnings also. That was when it was at the bottom. It's made its way back towards resistance. Is this one another one that just has gone too far? I think so. I think these are crowded trades. People are playing defense. They're selling their tech stocks and buying Coke. They're doing, you know, now you get this like bubble almost in some of these value stocks that aren't mm -hmm. cheap. I mean, what's Coke's piece? It's consumer staples trade with higher P's. It's probably like 20, 21. I mean, I don't want to pay above market multiple for a 25. stock that really isn't growing earnings. What is it? 25. 25. Ooh. 25 times earnings. I mean, these aren't cheap. 
So mm-hmm. I, no, no, I'd rather be in cash than Coke. value trap. That, yeah, I think so. I think a lot of these are value trap. I think they're crowded. People are crowding these trades, getting ready for recession. But I think if you're really worried about recession, I'd rather be in cash than Coke. Okay. And uh, someone asked about Tyson Foods. Someone asked Tyson. about Tyson Foods real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, someone's like defending sixty four here. I mean, I, I know they've. Uh, I don't know. Was it the CEO there that uh, did a little, got in a little trouble? But I mean, it's plain as day. Institutions are backing up the truck here at sixty four. As long as sixty four holds, you know, has a chance to rally. Um, on the upside, uh, you know, maybe just got a range trader here, buying it in the lower 64s and dumping it at the 6660 area. Not looking for any major upside in Tyson Chicken until you can get above that uh, triple top. Is it a triple? It's actually more than that. Quad top, let's call it 6660 for Tyson Chicken. Well, there is some news out there from Tuesday, the 6th uh, this morning. Tyson Foods is giving over 90,000 U.S. hourly team members approximately $50 million in year-end bonuses. Just mentioning that. At least they're being able to pay some bonuses versus not pay those bonuses. I'm sure they're doing fine. I mean, again, defensive stock, but you know, it's been obviously hit pretty hard, actually. But man. We'll see what happens there in TSN. Uh, one of the ones that I've been looking at is, of course, that recent meta run. We've talked about it. Is this finally where it turns back down? Or does it keep just kind of rising the wall of worry here? Um, Meta's a different story because meta is really low PE. Meta has a ton of cash. It's just people are pricing this like Instagram. And again, I don't think it's going to be a great year for meta. It's just a matter of whether all the bad news was priced in and they were like $888. It just was getting silly town because the PE was just so low, you know, especially when you back out the cash. I think you're buy meta on pullbacks, but it's not going to be a great year. Online advertising dollars as a big as a whole, the pie is going to shrink, I believe, in 2023. I think people are going to advertise less as a cutting costs. I mean, I, I think meta, you know, I think Meta, you know, is, is going to struggle here just because their core businesses are under attack from TikTok too. So there's a lot of reasons why this is priced, you know, like it has been. But with that being said, it probably just got overdone at $88. Exactly. So let's let's think about pulling back a 50% retracement of the recent move from like 88 to 125. Get back down to that 108, 109 area. We mm-hmm. add some consolidation, maybe. Maybe then you strike and you stick in your long-term portfolio and say Zuck's going to figure it out. You're just basically betting whether he can figure out, you know, or not. But the core businesses are under attack. It was overdone. This is a this is a relief rally, is what this is. I, I, I was just going to start gonna, a new I was, bull Yeah, I I was just thinking that this was a stock that you know when managers were you know the market moved up off that last uh, you know last couple numbers that thirty also oh, that thirty five hundred low and they're like. You know, I miss this. I miss this. You know, what's yeah. still cheap? What can I buy? What can yeah. I rent? And uh, right now, I know you're trying. You, you know, you talked about figuring out the retracement from that high from yesterday. Um, I don't have any evidence yet that this, you know, this move is over. Uh, if I was long meta, I'd be like, man, come on, fill this gap. I promise I'll sell if it gets to one twenty eight fifty. Right, that would fill the gap from the earnings. You know, it doesn't go straight there, uh, but that's the next target on the upside. And I think if I was trying to protect the log in this, 
I keep an eye on 118. Uh, that splits the lows from uh, uh, Friday and, or excuse me, from uh, from uh, yeah, from Friday and Monday. So that's what I'm looking at in Meta. Spools are now unchanged between all that chop between four, uh, 39.97 and 4.005. Uh, indecision here. Yeah, it is a yeah. choppy day. Do we have I think any it numbers? continues. Yeah. What? Why is the chop going to go away? I mean, if you kind of come in here, you're like, oh, this is that. I'm buying. We're going to go on this huge run here. I think you just keep taking the profits as you got them. You get up a little bit. You're fading moves, buying a little dips, selling a little rips. I know I'm like a broken record here, but this is what's been working. It hasn't worked to like get in this huge position, and now I'm going to make 50% on this. You're sitting around That's making man. 50%. Nope. You're not making anything. You're sitting around making 5% here, 5% there. You know, you still got to cut your losers, but, you know, you've got to, like, you got to lengthen the leash a little bit here. You get stopped out of everything, too. So it's tricky market. Swing trading has been very, very, very tough. Again, I'm not swing trading really anything right now. You know, I might have a couple, you know, I do a little bit in my long-term portfolio. It's all short-term day trading and scalping. You know, picking up a little bit here, a little bit there. No home runs, base hits like crazy. Tough. It's a tough. It's a tough market. Well, I well they say... just don't have like 2020 was such a good year, and people were so spoiled. And it's like, oh, I'm going to buy this stock and I make a hundred percent on it. I mean, there was yeah. so many stocks that were just making like 30 percent, like a week on this and 30 percent a week on that, and it's just not that market anymore. That market was not normal. Kind of getting into normal markets now. And maybe just uh, the other scenario Mitch and I talked about, we'll see, you know, how things, you know, maybe we just pull back a little bit for, you know, a little seasonality, a little Santa Claus rally, you know, happiness to, to end the year over 4,000, but uh, we'll see. All right. Great job uh, today, guys. I'm going to hop and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's see. If, I mean, if the bulls want to make this a good day rebound from yesterday, they got to establish a bid here above the close and they haven't been able to do that. All right, check in with right. you guys later on. Definitely have a good one, Joel. Appreciate you joining us. And you guys can keep up with Pre-Market Prep Plus on premarketprep.com. Sorry about the dogs in the background there. Uh, let's go ahead. We'll wrap up here. We'll take a look what happens on the SPY. I'm looking for the SPY to try to recover 400 today. Um, a level above 402.14 is what I'm looking for. A nice little push. We'll see if we can get above that. Um, what would scare you in this market if you would see some downside action, Dennis? Is it more below 395, 390? Um, Just to kind of say like worrying on the downside if you were to see a flush down. I don't expect it, but of course, but I just like to always give levels of yeah. where I would start turning from my bullish sense. Um, I'm still in a little bit of a bullish sense, as, yeah. especially if we can recover 400 in my eyes, but what do you feel? Well, well, it's still the tale of two markets. There's a bull market in value stocks, and there's a bear market in growth stocks. I'm mm -hmm. not sure that changes anytime soon. So, yeah. again, I'm inclined to buy the dip in value, and I'm inclined to sell the rip in growth. And I just continue to do that. And, I mean, it, it all depends on your time frames, too. I mean, what is your time frame? What are you coming in here for? You coming in here as a long-term investor because some of these growth names, you know, 10 years could be really good buys. Some of these value names in 10 years might not be that good of buys. I do believe there's a bubble in some value stocks. I believe there's a bubble in utility stocks. I don't get it. I don't get why utility stocks. I think this is a good gift rally here as of recent because in a higher interest rate environment, utility stocks are the last things you really want to own when you start and talk higher rates because they compete. So I don't see why. So, I mean, it depends on which sectors are coming in and what's your time frame. Your time frame is 10 years. I'd start packing away at some of the growth names. 
you know, if it's 10 years and you're not you seriously are 10 years and not 10 days, um, I think you start packing away. There is some, there is some decent price, you know, you're going to be happy with some of these stocks in 10 years, but in 10 days, I think, or 10 weeks, I think it could get a hell of a lot worse. So, you know, I still sit here, certain portion invested, certain portion in cash and just day trading the lights out of this market. It's all you can do. So take those gains when you got them and the market will take them for you. Not in 2020 where your 50% gain is going to be a hundred percent gain. Your 50% gain is going to come back eventually. That's what kind of market we're in. So and I think that applies to some of the value names too. We've been really spoiled. Goldman Sachs makes absolutely no sense to me. That's one from 280 to 380 yeah. and is approaching all time highs. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I would sell that thing hand over fist. I would sell every rally possible. Uh, I don't know if there's news on Goldman today. It's actually down four dollars. I just brought that yeah. up. Yeah, <clears throat> so. uh, I'll, I'll take a look to see if there's some news. But I'm, I'm yeah, it must be a rating or something. Yeah, I know the banks have been holding on for so long. It feels to yeah. me like that 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 run was definitely overdue. JPM coming back to support Bank of America coming back fast. Also, Goldman Sachs filled that daily gap yesterday. So I'll see if that acts as support, but we're already breaking through the low of that in the pre-market here uh, with the cut down through to 365. We'll have to wait and see. Like always, you go do what you do best, my friend. Get to trade. trading action. Scalp it. Scalping That's market. It. That's what this is. We're in a scalper's market. Scalper's paradise. Hey, it's all about sometimes those base hits add up, right, Dennis? That's what it's all about. That's sometimes. all it is. Right now, go for the base hits. Don't go for the home runs. All right, there you go. Dennis Dick letting you guys know he's working on his average and not working on his power numbers. Just like maybe we should be taking a lesson from that. We'll definitely smash the like button. Hit, of course, the subscribe. If for any reason you guys are listening in and not subscribed, definitely hit the like button and that subscribe below. If you hit the bell, you'll be notified the moment we go live every morning. Let's bring you guys now to Benzinga uh, TV where we got, of course, live trading Benzinga Live and Stock Market Movers. Hit the thumbs up. I'll see you guys in just a couple of minutes. Let's get towards some trading action, team. Like always, here to battle through the markets. Let's get right towards it.